Hello and welcome to the Stale Audio Show. I'm Sean Smith and I'm joined by Sam Green. Hello. And Christopher Strickland. Hello. You both well, gentlemen? As well as can be. It is absolutely awful outside, so I'm glad to be inside doing a podcast. Yeah. yeah. With you two fine gentlemen. Classic British weather. It's uh, about two degrees, but with wind chill, it's like minus 75. But Very chilly. We're not complaining, so it's all good. Um, I snow this morning. Yeah, did you have so it actually snowed on the floor. Yeah, genuinely. So you're so far north, it snowed. Yeah. No, I I yes, the Midlands is so far north, it did snow. Yeah. It's about down by the equator with me and Sean. It's um, <laughs> not that. No, it's just it's raining. raining. Anyway, um, today on the Stevie Show, we're going to be doing a little bit of a history lesson. Um, this is courtesy of one of our. Um, fellow CSR racers, uh, Tuesday evenings on uh, Discord and the Cedric Corsa. Uh, Max Jones. We are on Facebook if you want to search us. Yep, Facebook. We are accepting new, new drivers. Yes. Just don't be faster than us. Yeah, exactly. If you're slower than us, you're welcome to join. Um, yep. He wanted to know uh, the history of the Formula 1 teams. So uh, we're, we're going to do that today. Um, so here you go, Max. An hour of your life. You better listen. Yeah. <laughs> or else. So basically, Formula One current ten teams on the grid. They all have very varying histories, and uh, we're going to go in chronological ish order um, through them, through their through their different guises, through <laughs> some very different names, and uh, yeah, let's start at the beginning, nineteen fifty. Yeah, the very beginning. Um, in the beginning, God said, "Let there be light, and let there be Ferrari." <laughs> Not quite how it goes, uh, but it's close enough. And, and there was Ferrari. Um, yeah, Ferrari, the longest-serving team. 1950 Monaco Grand Prix. Um, they started as Scuderia Ferrari. Uh, obviously, at the time, they actually weren't running their own cars, were they? They were running... Uh, they were running Alphas, were they? Alfa Romeos. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, what, what they, they were around pre-Grand Prix, when it wasn't classed as Grand Prix racing, wasn't it? That Ferrari but, was uh, just uh, before F1. Um, or just before. Yeah. I'm sure, no, it wasn't. Yeah, before F1, rather they in Grand Prix racing, rather than... Didn't Enzo run a team, but uh, not on yeah. the cars? You've, see, I shouldn't invite you, Chris. You're ruining my uh, my information points. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, he ran a team, but not run. It wasn't his. Well, it wasn't classed as Ferrari as a constructor. It was just a team. No, so Ferrari himself used to race for Alfa Romeo, but before um, or work for Alfa Romeo. I can't remember one or two um, pre F1, and then he sort of offshooted himself um, to make the Grand Prix team that we see today. Uh, that's why I think early Ferraris were in. No, that's why early Alfa. One of the two, they 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 had each other's logos on each other, on the on their cars, but I can't remember which yeah. way around it was. They would have been the Alphas had the Ferrari logo on because there was still it was Ferrari Scuderia Ferrari running an Alfa Romeo. Right. Um, and yeah, long story short, they've uh, been been there ever since. Seventy years later, the the Ferrari team at Maranello still produce cars which are mostly red yep 1030 races entered um the wrong red though <laughs> yeah they are um, well, I don't know, wins. that's because um, they got a darker bit to the back end of it yeah it's the wrong red sean would you like to guess how many podiums ferrari have had in oh, their thousand let's go races. with 500 oh, i'll have a guess uh 
620. No, Ooh, it's probably way Is it? No, Kree's the closest, so he gets the point. The point is 772 podiums. Really? In a thousand, yeah, in a thousand and thirty races, that's pretty impressive. I was going to say that's for every four races they get three podiums. Yeah, I mean that's yeah, pretty much three quarters of the races they've done, they've been on the podium. You wouldn't afford that in recent years. Well, that's the thing is, in recent years you wouldn't have thought that, but go back to like the fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties when Ferrari were dominant before they started having a, a collapse. Yeah, because of think, Enzo's you think death. so many times for F1 where Ferrari haven't been on top, where they had, like, say, the uh, the Cosworth engines, but, and then they've had the, the Honda and Renault turbo era. And yeah, but they did dominate for five seasons. Yeah, but even so, 75%, they still, they're get they getting ponies. And they also think of the unreliability of the... Well, okay, it's a thousand races, but it's two cars. So in theory, it's actually 2,000 races. That's a fair point. Actually, yeah, that's, that's a fair least. point, yeah. At no, least 2,000 races, because then you've got stuff like... Um, oh, what was the American? Phil Hill, he drove a Ferrari. Did yeah, that, does that count? I think so. I don't know. I think that's because it's basically... I'm looking at the stats for Scuderia Ferrari. Ah, okay, so oh, it's just the team. Yeah, they also bought out Lancia when they folded F1. Mm. So but, yeah, the principle... Although it sounds ridiculous, basically it just means that one Ferrari was on the podium for every... Oh, sorry, for every four races, there was at least one Ferrari on the podium. Hmm. Well, this is it as well. And don't forget, if they finish second and third, that counts as two. Fair point. Oh, exactly, yeah. So, and, look, and you look back at the five years that Schumacher dominated, how many times was Barrichello on the podium as well? Exactly. Probably yeah. quite a lot. Hmm. That probably helped. Um, yeah. So, yeah, Ferrari, the uh, longest-serving Formula 1 team, and at the moment, at least, they still seem to be there. With a the cost cap, I can't see them leaving anytime soon. Let's move oh, on to the second longest serving team they're they're kiwi rivals uh <laughs> a little team called mclaren yes um so i heard you like them sean i heard you're quite favorable towards them they're very nice people to work with <laughs> um, um 904 races entered for mclaren so they're not well i say they're not far off they're probably four or five years off a thousand let's face it uh, with current, the current current calendars, it'll probably take like two two years. Yeah. <laughs> we'll end up with fifty races a year next season, aren't yeah. we? So um, it'll be a couple of years' time. Uh, of that, nine hundred and four, one hundred and eighty-three victories, four hundred and ninety-three podiums. So again, probably well about half, just over half of all the races they've entered, they've been on the podium, which is pretty good, I think. Uh, and obviously, yeah, I you look at the. Late eighties, early nineties for that sort of for the big chunk of them. Yeah. Um probably yeah, a lot of that came then and then obviously the um after that a little bit with the the West sponsored cars that the um not so yeah. much cool stuff yeah. like that. But if you're going back um, you'd also think of like Louder and Hunt and things like that. Although well, Hunt didn't get that many wins on podiums, did he? When he won his championship. Not not a massive amount, but he still um did fairly well. Mm. Let's face it. Uh, did win a championship for him. That so. doesn't mean anything nowadays, apparently. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, they got twelve constructors championships as well. Eight drivers championships. Would you like to guess how many drivers championships Ferrari have? Sixteen. Sixteen in it. Or fifteen. Oh, close enough. Isn't it sixteen constructors? It is. Yeah, sixteen yeah. constructors. Um. 
and uh, yeah, not bad. It's, not it's bad. quite interesting how McLaren and Ferrari, even though they're two separate teams, they've got a lot of similar history together. In that, both their founders unfortunately were killed during their time with the team. You know, yeah, they Enzo was old age. <laughs> Enzo was all in fairness, but Bruce McLaren was just unfortunate. Was you know, was it, was it Goodwood? He was killed. It was it. Yeah, he crashed. Yeah, crashed. Yeah, can Goodwood. Yeah, but and both teams from the point at which their founders were killed went into a bit of a, as you might expect, a bit of a tailspin in terms Slump. of slump. Yeah, and then they picked themselves back up. Yeah, and then they came back again, and uh, away they went. Really. Hmm. So McLaren's history is fair, and Ferrari's is pretty standard really i mean this it was largely the same core ownership in terms of this location and that sort of thing um mclaren as everyone knows has been through different eras you know the ron dennis era the bruce mclaren era the originally now of course they have zach brown and their um saudi Arabia. i think no it's bahrain is it bahrain investors uh, yes, for McLaren, yeah, the Bahraini yeah. investors. Um, and it's you know the, the, as as we see with any team, be it in football, be it in Formula One, there's always there's, there's always money to be had in in a, in a successful name. So that's where McLaren have uh, sort of slotted in nicely. Uh, the third team, which we're not aren't the third longest serving team technically in Formula One, um, but they have been the most consistent. So we're going to do them first. Uh, third are Williams. Yes. Um, so Williams back in 1977, Williams or Frank Williams. Uh, no, actually, sorry, I don't know what it would have been called at the first running because they basically Williams as a team debuted at the 1977 Spanish Grand Prix, um, but they didn't actually run their own car. That was a customer car. Oh, really? And then in 70, yeah, and then in '78. They started their own with their own car. Would it be like Williams F1 and then Williams GP, something like that? I think it was still still under the same name. It was still under Frank Williams Grand Prix Engineering or whatever it was. But um, but the first race, I'm pretty sure, was in March. Fairly sure of some sort. I'm just trying to find it. Um, But I am pretty sure. Um, Ah, yes, Frank Williams Racing Cars. What a name! (laughs) Yeah. Uh, well, no, it makes sense. If you're running somebody's car, being called Frank Williams race, Racing Car, kind of, you know, your car is run by Frank Williams. Yeah. Kind of makes sense. Um, yeah, actually, it was a, a problem that they used sort of in the 60s and early 70s, and then they made their own cars after that. So, um, and then obviously that they then had a bit of a problem with uh, Wolf, Walter Wolf Racing, of course, as well. Um, so although they have been Williams in inverted commas for the whole of their history, there's actually been two Williams teams technically. Oh, it was the first team bought by Walter Wolf? That's what you're referring yes. to. Yeah. Ah. It became. It was eventually. It was initially Williams Wolf Racing, and then it became Wolf Racing <laughs> because he bought Williams out, and with that money. Frank bought another team, basically, <laughs> and made his own team uh, from scratch again. Um, but uh, that was when it was when he started the new team. That's when he got involved with Patrick Head as well. So that's uh, a famous pairing, isn't it? It definitely is. Uh, Frank Williams and Patrick Head is kind of a bit iconic in in Formula One. Those two names um, and all the success that they had 
as as partners in the team. Of course, Williams now oh. owned by Dalton Capital. Um, so, again, this another famous team that gone through transitions in their uh, ownership and history. Um, Do you think they'll change their name? I hope not. I really hope not, because it is Williams. It is I think I'm expecting a rebranding next year. Next year? Yeah. To what? But the next season's it. car. Because of how different the rules are, I'm expecting a rebranding. What I could say maybe it's a different... I don't know too, but definitely some maybe form of rebranding. No, I don't think it'll be that much different. It might be Williams, like in the same way that Mercedes is technically Patronus, Mercedes, whatever. It Ineos, might be yeah. Doralton. Yeah. Um, I wonder if they'll ever get any. But... Sorry, go on, Tom. I just think it's one of those teams that it's good to have Williams on the grid, even while they're at the back. And they're actually not really at the back at the moment. They're doing a lot better this year. I think for Grand um, Prix racing, it would be a bad move to get rid of yes. the. It'd be terrible PR to get rid of yeah. the Williams name. And that's, I think, why they've wanted to keep it. As much as anything, obviously, as we know. Prize money is a big thing, and if you change the team name, well, we'll you come don't on get to that prize. later. <laughs> Especially uh, the teams. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, I, I think it would be a very, very big shame if Williams, as a team, as a name, wasn't on the grid. Hmm. Let's move on. How many wins? Oh, how many got, wins yes. do you reckon? Williams? Uh, how many races oh. they had? So... They have had. Um, where is it? <laughs> Must be at least five hundred. Seven hundred and seven hundred and sixty-eight entries. Okay, I will go with a hundred and eight. Or wins. Yeah. Yeah, for race wins. Go on, Cree. What do you reckon? How quickly can you Google it? No, I'm not googling it. Two hundred and twenty. <laughs> or Sean's the closest. Yes. Oh, is he? Hundred and fourteen wins. Oh. Very close. Actually. Oh well. <laughs> Do you know, I would have thought that they would have won more because they had sort of that period where Mansell was there first time and then Mansell was there the second time. Yeah. The, then he had like PK yeah, Prost. Like PK area, yeah. PK and Prost. Well, they've, they've, I suppose they've uh, not really won teams recently, have they? Apart from Pastor Maldonado's very interesting 2013 win that uh, somehow happened. That's, that's the trouble. The recent years have really not been good for Williams, but they are. They have got nine Constructors World Champions and seven Drivers titles. They in All of them, obviously, in the 80s and 90s, but they were, and still are, I think, a really good team. I think the foundation... And they're on there. the up. I think. They can, they can yeah. definitely... If they keep going in this trajectory they get the next rules right, we'll see some interesting yes. uh, stuff. Let's move on to what is technically our third longest-serving team, um, but is... Very debatable. Um, Mercedes Benz. Now, which, yes. which one? Exactly. <laughs> um, this is where it gets a bit confusing. So right, get so, ready and get your notepad out. Yeah. So start, starting off, Mercedes uh, Benz, 1950s. They were around. They did. They they won. But a lot. But this is not the same team. Yes. So this comes. That this sort of thing happens quite a bit in Formula One, as it turns out. Um, so the Mercedes team that we saw in the 50s is not the same as the Mercedes team that we see now. It's a different company, and although they're now tied to Mercedes as a manufacturer, they're still not really 
the same lineage, shall we yeah. say. The only the only parts are the same is the badge and the money. Yes. Uh, so the Mercedes team that we see now started life in 1971 as Tyrrell. Yes. Now, who remembers T Ken Tyrrell? Ken Tyrrell. What a man. What a legend. Well, absolute legend of the sport, isn't he? It's one of those. I names, mean, it's one of those names sorry, you, you forget about because Tyrrell. He's up there. He's up there with Trevor Carlin of yeah. people that are superb for motorsport but aren't necessarily. You have to be a quite, well known. You have to be in quite an inner circle to of motorsport to to remember, I suppose, Tyrrell, or be of a certain age. But I don't know. Uh, I say yeah, probably of a certain age as well. To be honest, at the moment, like we all have Tyrrell, um, but well, yeah, we're we're, we we're quite fanatical. <laughs> And we've done the research <laughs> as well, <laughs> which helps. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, nineteen seventy-one was their first full season as a constructor, Tyrrell. Um, but um, they did actually take place in the nineteen sixty-eight of part season. So their first threat entry as Tyrrell was uh, sixty-eight in the South African Grand Prix. Uh, and they were racing before that in things like Formula 2 and Formula 3, and they moved up into Formula 1 in 68. It's a shame that not many teams do that nowadays, sort of move up the ranks like a driver would. Yeah. Like, for example, Arden isn't designed that way, but it'd be interesting to have like Arden Formula 1. Well, Arden, of course, well, it would, um, it? were owned by Christian Horner back in the day. They were, yeah. yeah, of course. We'll come on to later as well. Yeah. I think they um, got a nice slice of the pie when Red Bull decided to take over some of the the business running of Arden. It's mm. interesting because I mean the only modern example really you see it in IndyCar um, is all the Junkos and Carlin, you know, going through Indy, yeah. Indy Lights and then into IndyCar itself, um, yeah, and taking some of their drivers with them as well. Yeah. You do see it a little bit in the lower formula, don't you? But just it just stops yeah, it when you get to Formula Two. Yeah, well, for Formula Two really is the end because Carlin have been there for years. Uh, before yeah. then, you had ART, I Sport International back in the day. Um, you know, it's 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 really is. It just shows it's people the like, difference. People like Prema. Yeah, Prema. Could you imagine a Prima Formula One team that's basically the feeder for Ferrari? It would be perfect. But that is well, essentially what happened. So already, so why not? Yeah. So, yeah. Prima um, are the big. I think they must be up there as one of the biggest lower Formula teams in Europe. I would have thought so. Them, pretty much everything. I say Carlin. I would say racing. I would pretty much every series certainly in most of europe um prima don't do the uk stuff but they equally, don't need to, italian <laughs> they don't really need to because there's italian series and they're just running there um so yeah i don't know but this is one of those teams tyrrell that yeah started life in formula three um making cars as well not just racing but um karen tyrrell actually drove as well in uh in 58 Cool. Um, and then, yeah, moved in, did Formula Junior, Formula 3, Formula 2, and then eventually Formula 1 as well. Um, how many races? 465 races entered. So they were, in, they were in F1 for a long time. Yeah. From the 60, 68 until the late 90s. So nearly 30 years. Um, yeah. Three oh, drivers. Was that, another, was, that, was that another team that unfortunately ended because of its... Because of Ken Tyrrell's death, yeah, I don't. He uh, was partly. I don't, I don't think he died, right? Like for them to be sold, but he was. Very no, old. but he probably stepped back, and then the team was bought by 
Stuart? Was it Stuart? Yeah, it was no. Stuart, wasn't it? Oh, I, I, thought someone... I thought you Sorry. Were... I thought you were, you were an expert. Oh, you can't even read a picture. He <laughs> that Tyrrell were bought out in 1999 yeah, by a British-American tobacco company uh, yes. to make BAR. And uh, yes. it went downhill since. No, I'm joking. Um, so let's, let's talk about that. that 19... different one. Let's talk about 1999, uh, BAR. Yeah. Well, it was yeah, promised, so I mean, they had, was it Jacques Villeneuve and Zonta? Was it the yeah. first season? Yeah. Yeah, they promised Jacques Villeneuve he'd be a world champion within a couple of years, but that went well, didn't it? Well, <laughs> we're going to get onto this a bit later, but Honda have one of their many promises that they'd never quite deliver in Formula 1. <laughs> but it's... Well, I can't, no, give BAR credit. They were probably one of the only teams that during Ferrari's dominant period between 2000 and 2005 that could actually hold a stick to them. Uh, I think was it unfinished third one year? Well, Jensen Button three? No, four. Was it four? Yeah, yeah. Me, me and Sam, uh, <laughs> when we previously did this podcast, but it didn't go properly, um, we. We said Jensen Button would have done a great job in 2004 had the Ferrari of 2004 not existed. They had the why they cheated, which is quite funny. Oh, Honda, sorry, BAR, yeah, yeah, that was, I cheated. Yeah, 2005, is it five or six? I think it's five, but no, as I was saying, I think you know, give them credit because other than Ferrari, McLaren just had an unreliable car during that period. Williams so you know they, as well, but it's, it's, it, it, it was always a case of bridesmaids through there because you had, yeah, McLaren with a sort of coming there, sort of half fall from grace after the Hackenden years. Uh, Raikkonen ch- and challenged in two thousand and three. Montoya challenged in two thousand and three with uh, Williams BMW, but BAR Honda they they did come close in two thousand and four. And had it not been for the it best F one car ever made, then they would have they would have probably won. Hmm. Yeah, that's the thing. This is it's a unfortunate sort of problem of they were up against the best, com- like complete team, probably ever in Formula One of Schumacher with Ross Braun at Ferrari, and that F two thousand and four. It doesn't really get much better than that, does it? No. Of course, Honda then um, um, and... increased their stake in BAR. To, everyone sort of called them Honda in the first place, but they, the Honda team then took over officially in 2006 until 2008. Um, they did win a race, of course. Jensen Butter did win the 2006 Hungarian Grand Prix in mixed conditions. Um, on his 113th attempt as a racing driver. I remember, I remember it well. Uh, <laughs> yes. And uh, oh. yeah, then 2007 happened and a... <laughs> what an awful awful like downturn in luck the 2007 and 2008 seasons were for Honda I don't know what they did but they clearly didn't do anything right I remember and that. whatever they did it just went wrong it was their wind tunnel they had a massive um, miscorrelation between the wind tunnel and the track uh, which Rubens Barrichello eventually identified uh, which is why they started to turn around in 2008 but by that point, the car was so crap that they just... They had I was going to say, was it, was it the latter half of 2008 you actually started scoring points? Yeah, it was literally. Yeah. And then, then yeah. Honda decided... Well, then... No, no, the world decided for them. No. Let's be honest. No, the world decided they were going to have a financial incident. 
And Honda decided, well, we're Japanese, so we're going to cover our asses and get rid of all the things we don't need. And Honda F1 was one of them. Yeah, the, yeah. the credit crunch of that breakfast cereal of choice um, came along. And yeah, Honda bailed at the last minute. Um, not Which is bad. hilarious, because they would have had a world championship winning car. Well, yeah, yeah. of course. Braun GP, 2009. Yeah, bought yeah. for a pound. What a car, what a thing. One pound, yeah. Um, no, it might not have actually been a world championship winning car because, albeit the car was designed for a Honda engine, mm. it, in the end it was given a Mercedes engine, which just so happened to be the, one of the best engines on the grid at the time. But the engines were very similar at this point. They weren't. Yeah, because it was it's not like it still. Now, Mercedes is a lot better than the Renault engine, for argument's sake. There, it probably is a better engine. You're right, and it obviously led on to better things as well. Um, but I don't think there was as much gain by having a Mercedes in the back as there might have been from a Honda, for example. Well, Honda, um, Honda did get a balanced performance uplift in 2008. I remember that, where them and Renault both got more power uh, compared to Ferrari and Mercedes. In 2008, Honda, Honda were the first team to run Kurs in 2008. See, that's what we wondered. Like, If it had been a works Honda year in 2009, would they have suffered like Ferrari, Renault, BMW and... Um, um, Toyota. To- no, Toyota. Toyota didn't run the system, did they? No. But it was BMW, Ferrari, and McLaren with the, with, and Renault, that's it. Yeah, McLaren and Renault, um, who all ran Kurs and basically started up because of it. Um, mm. well, they struggled we, at the beginning. Didn't, well, I know McLaren got their act together, but was it because yeah, they right ditched the end, Kurs? Right at the end yeah. of the season, though. There's the thing, they, they'd lost the championships because of uh, largely because of their the weight of the curves was something like 70 kilos back then back when cars weighed not much compared to now um but would it have would it have that would that change the brawn i don't know it's a it's a question it's a good hypothetical i think yeah it's an interesting one to look into isn't it the whole, it's history be, and where would, be, where would the thing be now as well yeah well, if it was yeah. still it wouldn't be mercedes put it that way well, yeah, obviously it would be a white car rather than a black car, but it was still uh, well, red. I think <laughs> it probably would be where it is now. I think it would be the same. Maybe not now. I think basically up to 2013 when um, Ross left, I think that whole period would be the same because at that point Ross was still running the team. It was still his team. Mm-hmm. It's just it had a Mercedes badge splashed on the front of it. Well, yeah, well, that's, that's true. Yeah, it 20, him, him and Nick Fry, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. Post 2013, when he left and Toto took over and Mercedes fully took over. The only reason he left is because of Mercedes. He had double political pressure and, you know, he just sort of went, well, sod it, I can't be bothered anymore. <laughs> and they left. But, you know, you could then say, well, he set up 2014. You know, he didn't leave till the end of 2013. So the 2014 team would have been his to some extent. Yeah, I would so, agree with that. You know, but it's whether it's or not he would have had the same backing that Mercedes did. You know, yeah. the Mercedes 2014 car was dominant because they started prepping like in 2012 or yeah, whatever. Yeah, well, I remember they, they brought in, Ross Braun brought in all of Ferrari's old old guard, basically. Like, uh, there was, well, along with Nick Fry, who was not Ferrari, uh, but they had, was it Aldo Costa, I think, as their yeah. designer? Um, he, didn't he work with Ross at the, yeah, in the I mean. early that's, that's Ferrari? I mean. That's what I mean. He brought in the dream team Pat from his top. Ferrari days, and it clearly worked. <laughs> yeah, and then it sort of transitioned from there, as you say. Uh, to well, I mean, long story short, Mercedes Benz have dominated since 2014. So 
currently have, and there's uh, no looking back, really, is there? Well, we don't Let's know this year it. yet. It's, well, okay, we don't know the end of this year just yet, you're right, but um, but yes. Um, and obviously since 2014, they've been dominant, there's mm -hmm. no other word for it, let's face it. No. Let's move on, who is next? It is, ah, Alpine. Alpine. The uh, the very yes. very French team, apart from when they're not French. Let's uh, let's talk about Enstone. Yes. Yeah. So, Team Enstone is not the same as the original Renault team. So again, a bit like we said with Williams, uh, not Williams, uh, Mercedes. Sorry, it's the Renault that you see racing in kind of the eighties. That was a factory Renault. Mm-hmm. This Alpine is not the same team as that no. because of the lineage. So let's cast your mind back, Sean, <sighs> to when you were when you were younger in 1981. <laughs> I wasn't alive in 1981. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, you just don't when, tell yourself that. <laughs> uh, in 1981, a team appeared on the grid called Tolman. So I don't think Tolman probably. <laughs> most famous for one of the drivers they found I think, realistically yeah um, they were a pretty good well I said they were a pretty good team, they weren't a bad team and they were about for quite a little, quite a while actually um, now, they were on the grid for four years so, I mean, in Formula 1 that's not too bad, considering they were winning races they had, uh, in their time 70 races Races, and they got one pole position and two fastest laps. So not really setting the world on fire. That's not um, bad though. They were, however, it's not bad. No, they still got so, and they got points. They did, they did, they did uh, get points. Best finish was seventh in the constructors championship. Oh, in, uh, say, that's, not, that's not in the points back then. <laughs> no, no. Um, they did get points. They were a mid, a good mid-pack car, should we say? And then um, they found a certain driver in 1984, in their last year, as Tolman, called Ayrton Senna. Uh, and then that's that's kind of where it went a bit more interesting, because obviously Senna was very, very fast, as always. He pretty much set the world alight at the Monaco Grand Prix, where it was soaking wet. And yeah. Officially, he finished second um, because they had to roll the result back a lap. But controversy there. Arguably, Senna's first win, but not officially. Mm. And um, then um, they sort of yeah. got absorbed, really, Tolman. They, they certainly did. It, it was, it was, um, it, in modern days, you'd, you'd have a big drama saying, oh, the, uh, the, the political, not political, the financial takeover of the Benetton Corporation. Inc. <laughs> well, it was a clothing company. They wanted to upbrand their clothing range. So to do that, they bought an F1 team and then employed somebody who had nothing to do with F1 in Flavio Briatore to run it. <laughs> well, this is it, isn't it? When Flavio Briatore... did a bloody good job of it. As much as the fact right. he was a bit of a questionable chap at the end of his reign, he did do a very good job of running Benetton. He did. And he was a very... And he, uh, like you said, before he came into Benetton as, as the Formula 1 boss... He had no real prior racing experience. Uh, he kind of came into it blind, which 
makes it even more impressive what he actually achieved in the sport, really, considering people like Ken Tyrrell, who devoted their entire life to it and obviously managed to get pretty much the same sort of result as uh, Briasori. But, yeah, there's, uh, a good, yeah. there's a good couple of books that cover sort of that Benetton You've got, I think it's the race car mechanic. Can't remember the chap who was it, but he was the Benetton's, his life was mostly Benetton, and he started out in Benetton in like the early 90s and late mm. 80s. And it follows his career up until I think it was the early 2000s. And then you've got Ross Brown's book, because he talks about his experiences with Flavio. Yes. And what he sort of describes is because, uh, in the, I think it's the race cars mechanic, he describes that Flavio was a good boss because he just left the mechanics to be mechanics. He yeah. covered all the corporate sort of stuff. I mean, that's as very, he would very do. similar to, as much Whereas, as he was nowhere near as, as good, there was a, a very similar with Maurizio Rivewell at Ferrari. Ariba Bennett. <laughs> exactly, yeah. That's, that's yeah. what it means. Morris arrived well. Morris arrived well. <laughs> well, no, it's the same thing with like, um, John Todd and Ross Braun. Ross Braun ran the team. John Todd covered the corporate side of things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that does work, as we've seen time and time again. Well, you know, it's and, a similar uh, thing with McLaren at the moment. You've got Zach Brown, who runs the commercial side of things, and you've got Andre Seidel, who runs the team. Yeah. Yeah. Benetton, exactly Benetton, I mean, everyone who knows Michael Schumacher knows that he won his first two world championships uh, in 94 and 95. Um, yep. Completely fairly, no controversy whatsoever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then he left in 1996 to join Ferrari with the Ferrari F310, one of the best looking F1 cars of all time. Um, but not on our list, Korea, I don't think it was. Um, so therefore, no, there's reasons for that. That's because it wasn't the best looking car in there. <laughs> no, the F10 was, but that's not. We did, I was going to say we did agree at least on a Ferrari being the best <laughs> looking one, but it wasn't. Um, it wasn't the best. As we've seen with a lot of teams, when their their star driver disappears, they the teams do tend to go into freefall. But this wasn't necessarily the case with Benetton. Um, they did I drop. They replaced him with Nelson Piquet, wasn't it? Say that again. Was it Piquet? What Benetton? Yeah, oh no, it was somebody from Williams. I can't remember his name. Um, I'm sure it was. I don't know. Um, yeah, somebody from... The reason that they replaced Schumacher with somebody from Williams is because Williams miffed him off. So he moved to Benetton. Or oh, was this before? I thought, oh, that I, think before. I thought in 96 they had... Um, it was Brundle and somebody else, wasn't it? Like Someone like Gerhard Berger or something like that. I could think it could be right. Um, no, sorry, I'm talking about beforehand because it was ride height stuff. Ah. I don't know who they replaced Schumacher with. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, John uh, yeah, the reason well. Schumacher went to the team was because of um, uh, sort of mix up Patrese. drivers. Yeah. Patrese. Uh, in 96, they had John Lacey and Gerhard Berger um, replacing Schumacher and Johnny Herbert. And yeah, they did They did go back a bit. In, they came to third in the standings, which, you know, in all, in all general it's not a bad result for a team uh, they came third again in 97 with Jean Alessi, Gerhard Berger and Alexander Wurtz who would stay with the team for a few years uh, Giancarlo Fisichella would then join in 98 uh, they would have, and he, he'd also be there basically till the end uh, and their last driver was Jensen Button in 2001 yeah, that went well <laughs> yeah, no, no controversy again whatsoever <laughs> with, uh, with, with Benetton and uh, their history um no, I've always been a fan of Benetton because obviously Michael Schumacher, Giancarlo Fisichella. Um, but it's... They did have some top drivers over the years as well. Like you said, Cree, they had Nelson Piquet. Um, 
They also had uh, Emmanuel Piero, which is an interesting one. Uh, Gerhard Berger, as we said, Jean Lacy, Fisichella, Alex Verts, interesting one. Uh, Joss Verstappen, Schumacher, obviously, Patrese, Brandel. There's some big names, isn't there? Even some very big names. Big name. or, and Nanini, for example. They're the big names of the. Marino. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. But then, um, of course, a lot, quite a lot of. Um, Benetton, their later years, from 95 onwards, they got the, the Renault backing. And that's then came in, even when they... Megatron. Well, no, they, they became Playlife, which is a Renault engine. It's just when the Renault sort of debagged. I thought, it was, I thought it was Megatron, because it was... Because um, Flavio made a deal with Renault, but Renault weren't willing to put their name to the thing. So Flavio made his own company called Megatron, and Mecha, then they... Do you mean Mechachrome? Mechachrome, that's the one, sorry. That's, that's um, yeah, that again, that is Renault. In, in all yeah, ways. it's essentially a Renault engine. They just rebadged it as a Mechachrome. I was going to say, yeah. there, there was an engine called like, Megatron or something, but that, but that's a, I think that's also a Renault, but a different... Um, I think it was, yeah. it was 80s, wasn't it? Something yeah, like something that. like that. Um, but regardless, Renault, yeah. then, Renault then decided to uh, sort of take over the, the Benetton name, uh, becoming the second coming of the works team. From 2002 yes, so, to 2011. Yes. Um, which is obviously the partly the Alonso era um, at Renault, where they're blue and yellow cars winning championships and doing really well. Yeah, and they're uh, not, no, not, not blue and yellow cars and not winning championships. Yes. Um, <laughs> and obviously, absolutely no controversy there either. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> this is probably the most controversial team. Oh, easily. Uh, over their history, I would have thought, wouldn't it? Easily. Yeah, I think definitely. Benetton's traction control controversy, and then Renault's, um, what was it? Uh, the, the mass damper oh, system. What was it? The mass dampers, yeah, for the wings, and then obviously Frick. crash gate, which we'll come on to as well. Yep. Um, but uh, was actually, what year was that? Was that pre-Renault? Which one? Uh, Pre-Lotus even? Crash gate. Crash gate was yeah. 2009. Must have, yes, it must have been. I was going to say it's not 2009. When they had ING back in, which would have been 2008. Yeah, and that what, was, what of else? course. There's the, another uh, one. Um, oh, the uh, exhaust blown diffusers. That was Renault as well. Yeah. Slash Lotus. Slash Lotus. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, they've, been, they've been quite boring recently with the last few years. They don't, haven't had. Oh, oh, apart from Frick. Not Cyril Abita hasn't got his tattoo, which I think is quite disappointing. <laughs> that's quite controversial. That is disappointing. Uh, yeah, but that's, um, that's nothing compared to Crashgate, um, Traction Control. There is a running theme that once Briatori left, it all went away. Not all of it. Not all of it, because obviously the Lotus blown diffusers, but that was right at the beginning, wasn't it? When it was essentially still a Lotus. Uh, Renault, even. Well, it's very much still their setup. But he, Briatore left yeah. in 2009. Nine or ten. Yeah. Might have been ten at the end of the season. Um, and then Lotus, of course, the best era. Uh, a couple of the best looking and worst looking cars in F1 history. Yeah. Um, uh, 2012 to 2015. Yeah. Of course, the, the. And that 2014 car was disgusting. Yeah, but the 2015 and 13 and 12 car were lovely. So. They were, and they ran that black and gold classic Lotus livery as well. Um, 
which again, this is a different Lotus to the official Lotus, but we'll come on to that. Yeah, in another Lotus episode. is going to get more mentions here than anyone else because of the because uh, <laughs> of course there were Lotus. two Lotuses at one point. I say Lotus basically needs its own episode <laughs> because there's so much. Um, but yeah, I mean it's uh, it's an interesting one. So Lotus, the black and gold cars from uh, 2012 to 15 had some pretty good drives yeah. again in that. Yeah, Genie Capital, that era. Um, and Raikkonen, Kimi Raikkonen in the car as well. He did very well. Don't forget um, the best driver in the world, Julian Palmer. Oh, yeah, Stop forgetting him. Ah, uh, but he wasn't Lotus, yeah. technically. And he remained. No, he was Renault, wasn't he? No, he, rem- he was the, Was he a test driver at Lotus? He was a test driver, but he wasn't um race driver. He was a, then a race driver for Renault again, when it became Renault again <laughs> uh, in 2015. With uh, Renault engines, if I, if I remember correctly. Yes, well, there were Renault engines through the Lotus period as well. Apart weren't from they? the last year, ah. they, they were Mercedes engines for one year. That was it, and then they conveniently went back to Renault yeah. and became a yellow car, which I'm sure, I'm um, sure really, really uh, made the engine department and packaging and all that stuff really happy. I bet they were really, really over the moon with that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and of course now uh, they are Alpine. Yeah, which so is, again, it's definitely not, definitely not yeah. Renault. Which is, yeah, 100% not Renault. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's that's the um, the lineage of Tolman. So Tolman, then Benetton, Renault, Lotus, Renault, Alpine, basically. I so mean, there's Ren- lots of... Renault practice. in many, apart from their, obviously, 2005-06 wins... They've, they're like, like Honda. They set themselves up nicely and then don't bring any of the benefits from it. Yeah, this is the trouble, isn't it? That uh, you would have thought a big company like Renault could just do quite well, but they just—they're never quite there. They're not bad, and they've obviously had some success, but there's not not loads. No. Let's move on to the best team on the grid. Which is my my favourites, the team which I still refer to as Minardi, Alpha Tauri, or Alpha yes, Tauri Rosso, as I also call them. Yes, so we've got all three of their names in that sentence. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, one of my favourites as well. I have to say purely because they're the, the lovable underdogs of Formula One. Minardi, best best team ever. In Formula One, yeah. So uh, again, Sean, cast your mind back. <laughs> um, so 1985, um, when a little team out of Faenza in Italy, not too far from Imola, um, started with Minardi. Yep, Giancarlo Minardi with the black and yellow colours is would be very synonymous with them. I mean, Minardi have have a very interesting history with their colour schemes because they have beautiful cars with the black and yellow and I guess the black and whites at the end they were, they were very nice but they then also have the god awful um, colour schemes of like the turn of the century when they were sort of day glow yellow uh, which was just... Oh, I didn't mind them I didn't what? mind the like this yellow one oh, I no. It, was cool. no, it wasn't necessarily as good as like the stripy yellow and black one but I thought it was quite cool No the, the day glow yellow is just awful in every I still, I, whenever I think of Minardi, though, it's a black car. Yeah. That's an all black I can think car. of uh, Matt Webber's fifth place at Australia in a black Minardi. Uh, was it fifth? I thought he came like, it was fifth. seventh. 
No, I think it was fifth. Okay. Um, but I, I quite, I quite like the um, the silver and uh, blue. Oh, Alex Young scored as well on that day. Yeah, I quite like the silver and blue one. Predominantly because I remember it from was it F one ninety seven. Yes, you mean the uh, the is it Telefonica sponsored or something? Was it F one? Oh, was it F one two thousand and one? It had been that. Year. I think it was F one two thousand and one. It was whatever it was when when F one games were EA Sports. Oh, so like two thousand then. Yeah, I think it was two thousand and one. I remember playing that on the yeah. PS one. Good times. Now we we mentioned with say Williams and Benetton, you know, a lot of the big names that would have go on to to <laughs> to basically better things with um, other teams. Minardi, I think, take the title by a long way for setting up drivers for their careers. Um, yeah. So people who, who have been through Minardi are Giancarlo Fisichella, Fernando Alonso, Mark Genet, Mark Weber, Justin Wilson, Jamre Bruni. Uh, who else? Who else? Who else? Nanini was there again. Michele Alvareto, Luca Bador, did basically not a great career after, after Minardi, but never mind. Um, Jano Trulli. Um, Pedro Alami. Petrolami, yep. Jos Verstappen again gets mentioned. Zolt Baumgartner, funny name. Um, Christian Albers was there, was there. Robert Dornbos, who would who would take almost take Minardi to championship uh, when they went to uh, Champ Car in two thousand seven. Um, great names, great names for for Minardi's history. Um, yeah, but... you look at the amount of championship. Well, not, uh, well, I say championships won by that list. Actually, I think the only outside world of champion on there is Alonso, isn't it? Yeah, but outside of F1, so many of these drivers would make big Massive names, yeah. Huge names. Um, but, I mean, it's just... I just think they were a cool team. They were like... They were always there. They were there for the, for the sport of it. They knew they weren't going to win. They were out there to go... Possibly could. And if they managed that, then they were happy. And I like that. I mean, let's just, let's go through Minardi. So, 1985, they had PLOG Martini, who, but who, if the point system of today, or even from 2003 to 2000, when did they change the point system? 2010. Yeah, I think so. So 2009, um, he would have scored points in his first year, um, which is very good. 1986, they had nearly all retirements, apart from one race in in um, Mexico. So. Good job there, Minardi. That was with their. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> I mean that that most these days that would make a team very very bankrupt, um, to have that many um, retirements in one season. Uh, but they carried on. They had Adrian Campos in the in ninety seven. Of course, would uh, go on to form. I was going to say it's another massive name of support series and junior formula, isn't it? Yeah, they scored their official Adrian first Campos. point in nineteen eighty eight uh, when I was minus four. Um, with PLOG Martini at Detroit. Uh, even Luis Perez Salo, who drove for them that year, he would go, go on to some good good stuff in motorsport. Um, yeah. They had the Ford engines for that. They then had their best season with a Ferrari engine in the back in 1991. Um, they got two fourth places that year. I'd have, I'd have gone ecstatic if I had been around to, to see that. You, know, you were. And you did. Shut up. I was minus one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, especially at their home race, San Marino, they came fourth. Um, That's great. Could you imagine the scenes? I'd love to have been there for that. Imagine if they got a podium that, that, that race. Imagine if, oh, if, if Minardi had been on the podium at San Marino. 
Oh, it would have been spectacular, wouldn't it? With a Ferrari engine in the back. Oh, doesn't get much better than that, does it? No. Um, but then, realistically, it all goes downhill from there. Uh, so, mm. <laughs> so they get the Lamborghini engine the year after. God knows why. Um, that was a terrible car. Um, many, many, many did not qualifies, did not finishes. Uh, they then go to Ford. They have some success. They score seven points in 1993 when I was one. Um, 1994, again, Pierre Di Martini is still racing for them, even though he's probably about 400 years old by that point. Uh, they score some more points. They go through... Ninja Color Fisichella comes along in 1996. Uh, he was Formula 3000 champion, I think, coming into that. Mm. Uh, made his debut. Uh, he then buggered off to Jordan, I think. Who we'll get to in a minute. Uh, Yana Trulli made in 1997. Again, not Harvey. Shinji Nakano. I forgot he raced for Minardi in 1998. It was all good fun. Luca Bador um, should have... Well, let's put it this way. Luca Bador would have scored a lot of points. Um, had he had the current point system, but he yeah. he's of course more famous for being the driver with the most starts without scoring a point, and also being Ferrari's driver in two thousand nine and not doing a great job. No, it was but, not a good job at all. Minardi, yeah, they he Giancarlo Minardi sold up to uh, Paul Stoddart, I think in two thousand, uh, and then we sort of see the the final years of Minardi with their Asia Tech, which was a Cosworth engine. Um, and yeah, it just it sort of petered out. By two thousand and five, they the the money ran out. They folded the team and sold to Toro Rosso. But before we go on to the Toro Rosso, when you think of the the modern teams in F one, you know the two thousand and ten lot, um, which we'll come on to. Well, actually, we're not we're with two of them. Um, but it's you, you don't see longevity of teams like this these days. Cars, no cars at the back. You know, barely scoring points, they'd be so bankrupt these days if that was the case. It just doesn't work, does it? And even Williams have barely survived the last few years, hmm. and that's Williams. Um, so a little team like Minardi to be in Formula One that long, I think that deserves a lot of credit. Yeah, it definitely does. And actually, I like as well because we'll move on to them, but we like as well the way that um, the uh, Stoddard negotiated the sell the sale of the team as well yeah. well let's let, where well, when yeah, no, let's, uh, let's go let's go for it yeah so when um red bull came and came a knocking uh are wanting to buy a second team because they had red bull racing ready to go basically and they needed the team um they obviously basically Stoddard said yeah you can buy it but you have to keep it in fienza yeah so they did and made it Toro Rosso, but he stipulated that because it was the home of Minardi, and, then, and he wanted the, the team to stay on the grid. So it yeah. wasn't just the competition license they were buying; it was the whole facility. And there's no real—you'd have thought Paul Stoddart was only there for four years. He's not, you know, as emotionally attached as Giancarlo Minardi would have been. No, but he clearly loved the team and wanted it to remain on the grid as it was. I mean, and that, I think, that kind of. You can see the fact that it must have been because if he hadn't have loved Formula One and loved the team, why would he keep going around, barely finishing, barely getting points, unless he was just a pure racer, just wanted to get a car on 
breed and go as fast as he possibly can. Yeah. It's... Yeah, I miss Minardi, but never mind. Yeah. Toro Rosso, much, much greater things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Toro Rosso, obviously, um, they, they came about essentially as a B team for uh, for the main team, Red Bull. Well, their first year um, was literally the Red Bull RB1. Um, yeah. Is the, the, last car, the, the last car to have a V10 in it in Formula 1. Yeah, yeah, because everyone else had moved over to V8 and they were given special dispensation to run the v10 yeah um the first season obviously was 2006 uh on the grid anyway and uh it was an all right car wasn't too bad sounded good yeah first year i watched one 2006 still actually still racing to this day the st1 did you know that in boss gp yeah being raced in Boss GP, the, the last V10 F1 car. It does seem a bit uh, unfair when you compare it to like the cars it's racing. <laughs> well, yeah, I know. It's racing mostly GP2 cars. So... Yeah, and the Benetton's from 1995 or whatever. <laughs> yeah, so... But it's quite it's still quite cool to see it used as yeah. much as anything and, and being driven. Because that is what race cars are for. Like, yeah, place of course, Toro Rosso um, is famous for being the feeder to but, uh, no, it's the like... names that come through. I would say when you look at the list of people that have driven for Toro Rosso over the years, it's very similar to those that have driven for Red Bull, unsurprisingly. Um, but when you look at the people, the number of people who didn't drive for Red Bull as well, that have then moved on out of the team, um, I think that's quite interesting. It is. Um, Cree. Yeah. So Red Bull, Toro Rosso. That's, what about them? So Toro Rosso, I've always said they're a brilliant little team that could do more if Red Bull allowed it. Do you think that's yeah, true? Yeah, I agree with that. I'd agree with that. I think they should. They could easily do very well. They've shown this year they've clearly got yeah. a good, good team under them. No. no. I don't think they can. No. Well, I think about it. If you were the owners of both teams, right? and you treat Toro Rosso as a feeder team, you don't just use it as a feeder team for drivers, do you? No, use it for talent. Use it for engineers. So let's say 2007, the FIA said, no, they have to be two separate teams. Will Toro, would Toro Rosso be where it is now, having split the teams up? Probably not, no, because they may not have had the same feeder of engineers that Red Bull sort of helps coax through the system. So I, I, can't, I can't imagine Toro Rosso, or Alpha Tari as they are now, doesn't have engineers in it that eventually, over time, gets promoted up to the Red Bull team. That's a fair comment. I mean, it's obviously. I mean, we remember in 2008 when the car, the chassis itself, was the same as the Red Bull, um, with some tweaks. They weren't exactly identical, but Sebastian Vettel driving the car did beat Mark Webber and David Coulthard in the Red Bull main team. Hmm. But it's then I think it was was that because it was Sebastian yes yes it definitely was not due to Sebastian Bourdais with all due respect to him um, but it's <laughs> um, it the thing is with Toro Rosso they they do lose their top talent when they do get someone really good um, be it in the team internally or the drivers uh they i can't remember what year it was they had to stop using red bull chassis i think it was around 2009 um but i don't know it's obviously toro rosso and what they're called now um alpha tower they're never going to be 
championship contenders. I mean, they've always wanted to be fifth in the standings overall. That's Did Vettel get quite close? Sebastian Vettel, uh, he came eighth overall, I think, that year, and he got the team to sixth uh, in the standings, which is the best mm. year Toro Rosso ever had. <laughs> Apart from maybe not, yeah. maybe not this year either. Well, because aren't they up for fifth this year? Yeah, they're going for fifth. They're going for fifth, and they're current. They've just been. Well, at the time we recorded the last one, they were equal fifth. <laughs> And now they're very much not. <laughs> I know, having seen what um, Alpine did last, but anyway, yeah. digress. Let's talk about the Alpha Tauri. So I was a bit annoyed when Alpha Tauri came in because just sentimental, really, to um, to Toro Rosso and Minardi. Um, but equally with Pierre Gasly, they have done pretty well as a team over the last two years. Of course, of course, Toro Rosso and Alpha Tauri both won races. At Minardi's other home race at Monza. True. Yeah, well, that's very true. Yeah. Um, and certainly something that Minardi would mind would probably have never been able to do by itself had it still existed as itself today. No, there, there is that. And there is, it, even then, actually, I think it was nice to see the, the, the Fienza team winning at Imola. That's Italy. a cool thing. Monza. Okay, Monza, but same thing. Um, <laughs> it's really not, but okay. <laughs> um, but no, I think it was just this cool. I think that's pretty cool. Do we think Alpha Tauri, um, how do you think they'll do next year with a new car? I don't know. I think Yuki's got his legs back <laughs> under him, so... so he might be a bit more consistent next year. And as long as Red Bull doesn't decide to slam the door in his face, he should be all right. <laughs> I think, yeah, if they... It can keep. They've got, both got the same drivers for next year as they do for this year, so I think that consistency is going to help because the cars are very, very different. Although Yuki won't be a rookie anymore, he's still relatively new, so you can just adapt to the new car, as like everybody else is going to have to do anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, th- I think it could be a good season for them. Clearly, um, that. Oh, whatever it's going to be called next year. It's not Honda, is it? So it'll be the Red Bull powertrain or whatever you want to call it. Um, For want of a better word, the Honda is clearly pretty good. uh, And their car this year is clearly pretty good. So I don't see any reason why they couldn't be a good team. Maybe not a a title contender, because I don't think Red Bull would allow that. But I think they they could do well on their day. They might outperform occasionally. The, uh, well, the parents. I mean, they would be fifth if it, if it were for a Yuki's doing a better job this year. Yeah, and but as a rookie, you can't expect the world of him. But equally, he's still the top rookie, I think, isn't he? Of the yeah. year, isn't he the only rookie? No, we've got Mick and um, Mick oh, Schumacher. That's not, that's and... not fair. He's in a hat, which is four years old. We'll get to that. Okay, <laughs> well, we'll come on to that. Later. Um, um, let's move on to the next team. I bet it's. Yeah, we like we like we like Minardi, AlphaTauri, whatever. We do. Um, let's move on to Aston Martin, who yes. I think have had no, more changes one. than everyone else. So everyone, get your yes. timelines ready. <laughs> yeah. So this one's an interesting one, and it's a bit in yeah, a bit all over the place. You've got to keep track of this because some of these teams were not around for very long. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so in 1991, um, we had Jordan. Eddie Jordan started his his team. Um, so the Jordan Formula One team appeared. Uh, 
Was it 91 or was it 92? 91, because that was the one... Nine... No, I'm sure Jordan was before that, wasn't it? No. Did they have... Was Jordan... that the one one the first car? No, they were in uh, Formula 3000 before. F3. Ah, that would make sense. Yeah, that would make sense. Because I'm going to say the 191 as being the first car. That's quite a way to hit the ground running. Oh, God. Yeah. It is... They came fifth overall. Yeah. Great car. Um... Yeah, they just happened to employ a certain Schumacher. Yeah, for one for... race. Well, it wasn't even one race because he lasted half a lap. Oh, yeah, not even that. He gave the, the, the problem. Straight, and that's it. Yeah, so he lasted half a lap. But yeah, no, he was um, quite incredible for that half a half half a weekend. I always love the story <laughs> about how how Michael got the uh, got the drive. Jelly Eddie Jordan, do you know Spa? Not have you ever driven Spa? But do you it know wasn't Spa? Eddie Jordan. No, 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 it was wasn't it? Eddie Jordan. It was one. It was um, I think it was Gary Anderson. Oh, said it better. Him, do you know Spa? And he went. So you know Spa. The reason we hired you is because you know Spa from sports cars. And he turns and goes, "No, I've never driven at Spa." But no, he didn't say that. That's the thing. He said, "You know Spa?" Yes. <laughs> yeah, they, they, he never admitted it. Um, he did carry Anderson, apparently. Not, not until after the race. Um, oh, was he not? After no, the race? But yeah. they said, they said, do you know Spa? Yes. <laughs> not have you ever driven Spa? Because <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, he comes from near Spa, doesn't he? Well, he's yeah. from Kirby. But I mean, yeah. to be fair to Schumacher in that situation, they did sure. ask him the wrong question. Because yeah. <laughs> Chris, of do you know Spa? Yeah, well, there you go. There you go. Have you ever been to Spa? No, I've not. I've never been to Spa. No. Uh, well, there you go then. Uh, you're as qualified as Schumacher. <laughs> um, <laughs> there you go. Your Formula One career is still still possibly there, Corey. If you go back, yeah, to the all right. You never know. You never know. Um, um, I quite like Jordan as a Formula One team. Well, yeah, it's a questionable taste, in oh, my opinion. Well, what, well, it was a, it's a similar thing to like um, Alpha Tauri in that they stick it to the big lads. Yeah, they were always one of those teams that actually, on their day, they could do quite well. We had 98 uh, Spa, Hill and Schumacher finished first and second. Ralph Schumacher. Exactly. Yeah, Ralph Schumacher, obviously. Um, but uh, yeah, I always thought I always obviously when I started watching, they're in that yellow and black, the buzzing hornets. When did you start that what? When did you start watching F one? Ah, oh, probably two thousand and two, three. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah, I think that must have been like the last season of Benson Hedges and uh, Yellow Jordans because then they had to get rid of it because of Marlboro or because of tobacco sponsorships. Yes, true. Yeah, um, but. Uh, no, they. I just yeah, it was a cool car. I really liked it. Well, um, yeah, I think the '98 was it. The '98. The '98. Jordan was on our list of best looking cars. Yeah. 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 Um, my favorite thing about the that era of Jordan was when Damon Hill went there. Um, and it says this on '97. Uh, yeah, Damon went. There it was that Oh, but yeah, the, the, those cars though were gorgeous. But anyway, when Damon Hill went there in '98. Um, it says on the season review video that I've got uh, that he, in a little interview, that he goes, "Oh, um, me and uh, Ralph Schumacher, we don't have um, a number one, number two driver. We have a, uh, uh, but we we call it, we're, we're bananas because uh, we're in the banana car. Uh, so I'm top banana, and uh, <laughs> Ralph Schumacher is uh, his second banana. <laughs> it's um, 
a very odd. Like, first, Eddie did absolutely miff off Ralph Schumacher, which was quite funny. Of course he did. Yes, and therefore miffed off uh, Michael as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, there was that. Oh, when was it? I cannot. Oh, wasn't it actually? Um, it may have been at Spa actually when Ralph was told not to overtake. Yeah, it was. It was, yeah. Um, Ralph was closing like a couple of seconds on Damon and he was told not to overtake. Yeah, and Michael went berserk and went yeah, down that, there and nearly had a full-on fight yeah, with David. Yeah, but that was after he did nearly have a football, basically have a full-on fight with David Coulthard taking him out. Well, yeah, that as well. Um, <laughs> um, he just clearly wasn't in a very good mood that day. <laughs> um, I thought the best thing about that was that's what kind of half-decided Ralph's decision to leave and he joined Williams and then Williams let pissed off Heinz Harold Frentzen. So then Frentzen left Williams and joined Jordan. Yeah, but that, that, that was what really a move, good what a move that was. Yeah. He almost won the yeah. title in ninety nine. Yeah. He's the third um, the, he's the third man. Everyone forgets Heinz Harold Frentzen um in ninety nine because of Mika Hackenden versus Eddie, Eddie Irvine. Yeah. Yeah. How McLaren only just won that championship, I will never know. Because you were up against Eddie Irvine and Heinz Harold Frentzen. Like yeah, you know, it's not even Michael. Yeah, but they've got they've got Mick Hackden, who's like the second best driver ever. Exactly. So they should have won it by a mile, but they didn't. They struggled. Yeah. Did they win constructors that year? They must have done. They must no, have they done. Didn't. Yeah, no, they did. Ferrari won. Did, did they not? No. Ferrari beat McLaren by four points. Oh, fair enough. Mm. But Jordan were way behind. They're only on sixty-one points, so half the total. Who was the nine? Was Damon still the ninety-nine driver, or did he finish after ninety-eight? Uh, Damon, I think it was last year in ninety-nine. Oh, that's probably why then. Got on a bit. He must have been in his forties by then. No, I would have thought. No, remember, the... remember Damon no. looks old, but he's not actually that old. No, but I'm sure he started like being an F1 driver in like when he was thirty something. I've not no. actually got to that part of his book. <laughs> no, I don't think he was. I don't think he was that old. <laughs> uh, more audible, not from good shops. Audible. Okay. Never, never, I'll show my age then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. okay, so he's sixty-one now. So what what did Jordan turn into? Uh, Jordan in two thousand and five. Uh, it became Midland. Midlands. Oh, that's right. It was Midlands, and then it was. Oh, it was the best team in the world, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. it was. The best team ever. <laughs> Midland only existed from 06 to 07. One season they, they lasted. Well, they, they didn't even, it was a bit longer than that because they bought um, Jordan in mid-2005. Um, True, yeah. But then in the end of 2006, along came the Dutch powerhouse, Spiker. <laughs> yes. The and Marcus Winkelhoff led the race at the Nürburgring for one lap. No, yeah. much longer than that, Chris. Was it more than a lap? Don't you dare do him a misjustice like, like that. Sorry. Uh, hang on. If I get the uh, article on Stelvio Automotive, uh, there is a... well One of the three articles. <laughs> well, about about Spiker, yeah. There's at least that, that many. Um, let's see. <laughs> but it's... It was it was an amazing race. So Spiker were, but they were doing a Haas basically. Their their car they dated back until the Jordan two thousand and five car because Midlands did nothing. Uh, they 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 were the last team. On, they were the last team on the grid to get a seamless shift gearbox. Did you know that? Nice. No, no, I didn't. Um, yeah, I think it was the two thousand six Monaco Grand Prix. They got their uh, seamless shift gearbox. Um, was it like? Half a second on lap or something. Yeah, it was worth a lot. Um, 
But then in 2007, Spiker came along with uh, not much money, uh, and they didn't do. They they fought, they fought Super Aguri basically for last, uh, but their car was much better looking, so that's okay. Um, no, it wasn't. Well, the the Super Aguri livery was miles better. I don't know what you're talking no, about. No bollocks. Compared to the the later Spiker livery, the F8 V2. It was gorgeous. I've got a model of it. No, it wasn't. Yes, it was. Super gory every day. Absolutely not. Uh, but no, especially. Hang on, two thousand. Yeah, two thousand seven. That was actually quite a good car. So never mind. That's a. That's a. That's a different. I remember. Story. Was it two thousand seven Super Gory where Takuma was it Takuma Sato? Yeah, overtook Alonso. Like destroyed the field at Canada for some reason. Yeah. Just tell him he finished sixth. That's what Sato does. He, he does nothing for most of his career and then just comes out of nowhere and destroys it. Anyway. It's Indianapolis 500 twice. Yeah, exactly. Um, but anyway, Spiker. Uh, Marcus Winkerhock stepped in for Christian Albers, who might have been fired due to the fact that he ripped off a fuel hose from the pit lane. Um, and it was it was a one-off. Um, he came from DTM. And he pitted at the end of the formation lap. Uh, everyone else then carried on. On their slick... Their, well, not slick tyres. Their, their grooved dry tyres. Uh, and then the biggest thunderstorm I think I've ever seen <laughs> came along and hit the track. Uh, Marcus Finkelhock then took the lead and uh, fucked off, basically. Uh, he was, by the end of lap two, Finkelhock was 19 seconds ahead of second place Felipe Massa. Uh, and then he lapped Lewis Hamilton on lap three, I think. Uh, then he was 33 seconds ahead of Felipe Massa and Flando Alonso by the end of that lap. Uh, then the safety car came out. And um, yeah. didn't it, and then he... Ruined got, it. Ruined it. Yeah, it did ruin it. Like He was nearly half a lap ahead of everyone. Could you imagine if they don't actually let that continue? How? I, don't think, I still don't think he'd have won the race. No. But maybe lap 10, lap 15 maybe? He'd, 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 got scored, he'd have scored a point at least. Yeah. But... Um, Eighth, down to eighth place. Mm, it is like a forty odd. Was it? Would it have been a fifty no, odd lap race? Uh, well, mm, yeah, I know they say the was, race is a leveler, but still, that car was awful. awful. Yeah, but he was—he was obviously obviously knew how to drive it. He, he, when he laps fourteen <laughs> seconds faster than Alonso and Massa. It's probably because of the difference in tires. No, 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 difference they both had the same. This after the, after they all had the pit stops. He was oh, was it? He was then fourteen seconds lap faster. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. That's um, impressive. Anyway, we didn't hold to his lead for very long, though, did he? When after the race started, yeah, but, that, 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 yeah, but it was dry by then. It was, it was swamped by. It wasn't dry. It was dry. They were on on drier tires. But anyway, well, then, anyway, right, anyway, Marcus Vinkerhock, uh, he has the record of leading on his debut, which is pretty good. Um, he led over a third of all his racing laps he ever completed. Uh, oh, did it break down? Sorry, didn't the car break down? Yes, uh, it caught fire. Uh, so he wouldn't have finished the rest then no, anyway. No, he wouldn't have. <laughs> but, um, and according to the US Speed Channel, he is the only ever driver to lead a race after starting last on the grid on debut and is the only driver to ever start a race in last and then restart a race in the lead. After it's been red flagged. Pretty good, that. Yeah. Good going. And, he's, and that, that, I don't think, I don't know, it probably will never be beaten. For a, de- for, not, for a debutante uh, to do that again. Hamilton had a good crack at it, in fairness. Yeah, but he's been not exactly a debutante, is he? No, but he had a good crack at the first to last thing. Now, let's talk about the uh, the lesser parts of the Jordan saga. Um, Before we move on, one part... that I, think, I think one thing that you will quite possibly quite like, Sean, I don't know if you... Team manager 
or team principal. Oh, Colin Collez. Biker. Yeah, Colin Collez. Yeah. Who is obviously by, oh, is it by Collez? By Collez. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. That's quite that. interesting. I think yeah. that's quite cool. I also didn't know that he tried to blackmail Toto Wolf. <laughs> Gloss over <laughs> that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh but yeah, no, that's uh, I didn't know that. I genuinely didn't know that Six, he'd uh, he was involved seven. in the Formula One. Well, Colin Collins was the boss of Hispania. Sorry, uh, HRT when they first came along. Along with Mark, oh. uh, Christian Alves as well. Oh, fair enough. I didn't know that. Yeah, well, but they're obviously not paying attention. Uh, let's no, move on. So Spiker then got bought out because they very much ran out of money, um, along with Saab. Uh, and they became... Four the best Zimbia. midfield team. That's, yeah, the best midfield team. Well, they, Ever. they returned to being Probably. Jordan, basically. Yeah, so they went Sarah. back to Silverstone, didn't they? Well, no, they were always in Silverstone. Oh, they never leave Silverstone. No, no, they're all. I suppose Midland around. Def One kind of gives it away. <laughs> um, of course, they. Well, the 2008 season was awful, but 2009 they had a properly good season in 2009. No, Fisichella. They had, had Paul. They had a Paul at Spa. Was it 2009? They had yes, Paul at Spa. He should. He should have won. He should have won the rest, and then he didn't. He he didn't only didn't win it because Raikkonen went off the track at turn one, uh, and then used Kurz to stay ahead for the rest of the race. <laughs> not that I remember that race very. No, of course not. <laughs> not the, yeah, not the um, it, it, it was a few races after where Ferrari had to um, unintentionally no, employ physical. The, the next race, uh, once he did, he got that pole for Force India and then almost and should have won the race. Uh, he then. Oh, was that the race that the test driver drove for Ferrari and he was awful? Luca Bador, yeah, he um, yeah. raced for two, I think, races. So it was Valencia and then Mon uh, Spa. And, yeah. and then he got ditched uh, for Fisichella, who almost oh. scored points. Uh, Monza, he should have done. In, well, in modern day, he would have done. But anyway, but then Force India then carried on through the years. They had drivers such as Vitor Antonio Liuzzi, Paul de Resta, Nico Hulkenberg, Sergio Perez. Uh, who else am I thinking of? Ocon. Adrian Sutil, of course, drove there for ages. Uh, Ocon, yeah, made his debut at Force India. <laughs> I felt really bad for Adrian Sutil because there was a couple of cases where he was on for a podium and he got taken out. I remember one, I think it was Monaco, he got taken out because he got rear-ended by Raikkonen. I think it was Silverstone, he got tapped at some point and Possibly. he was looking quite good. I did feel sorry for Sutil, if I'm honest. As much as I'm not a massive fan of his personality, I did feel sorry for him. <laughs> 203 races for Cindy did. Really? That's, That's more than quite impressive. But then 2008 is... Australia to 2018 Hungarian Grand Prix, which is obviously when it then changed. It went into it. A yeah, um, which is a bit unfortunate, but uh, completely understandable given the circumstances. <laughs> well, um, it's because the, the bloke who ran the team, I can't remember his name, Vijay he Mali. ran King. Yeah, Vijay Malia, he ran King. Was it Kingfisher's Airline or is it the Vijay beer Airline, company? Both. Both. Yeah, and uh, well, he wasn't paying his bills, was he? I really like Kingfisher beer. I don't care. I'm not saying the actual product's bad. I'm just saying the bloke who ran it wasn't running it properly. A bit dodgy. Yeah. Allegedly. Um, uh, legal Allegedly. I don't think he's been proven yet, has he? No. <laughs> years later. Um, years uh, later. And then we had um, Canada's finals. Well, oh, yeah, Racing Point. But we need to get. Well, I mean, that's not quite true because it became then. Racing Point. Tracing. Well, no, no, we'll get to that. It's Force India, then <laughs> Racing Point Force India. For half a season. Ah, of course, nine, yeah. uh, only nine races there, so not. Yes, not... And they did half of the season. Didn't yeah, 
Um, but you know they scored on debut fifth and sixth. That's pretty good. They <laughs> weren't they right up there in quality as well. Well, yeah, they were, from, they, it's almost as if they had a bit of a running start. Uh, the rating point yeah. for the India team. <laughs> um, but then, but, uh, uh, in 2019, they became racing point itself. Yes, you mean tracing point? Tracing points. Yep. The pink. Is it tracing points? Yeah. 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 The pink Mercedes. Yeah, that's tracing point. Yeah. Um, well, that our, was. Uh, I think it's one of our favourite jokes, isn't yeah. it? Tracing point. It is. Yeah. It's, well, I remember the first time we told you that, and you genuinely laughed for about ten minutes. It's brilliant. It's the only time you've ever had to edit a podcast because it would have just been you laughing. <laughs> uh, it's, but, it's, uh, it's funny. 2019, <laughs> they score 70, 73 points, finish 7th. 2020, they um, acquire then, some drivers. I was going to say, we did not have done better because Perez won a race, didn't he? Not in 2020. Win Abu Dhabi? In 2020, he did. Not 19. Yeah. No, no, I'm saying in 2020, didn't they do better because Perez won a race? Well, I mean, yeah, that's, that is better. On the outer loop. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, and that uh, you know what? Here's a good little fact. Actually, that was the first time that they'd won since 2003. Ah, oh, you sort oh, of, because... you sort of nicked my stat there, Sam. Ah, oh, because okay. my stat was that um, Force India didn't ever beat Fisichella's. So Fisichella won in 2003 for Jordan. He then got their best ever results for second place at Spa, and they'd never ever beat it. Did yeah. point until um, Perez equaled it in Turkey to 2020, and then Russia. Sorry, um, Sakir. Uh, Sakir. When he won, yeah, where he got the race win. Where, yeah, and I think that was quite. It was. It was nice to see Sergio win that race. I have to say, because he'd been very good all season, um, but uh, obviously he missed a couple of races, but. Um, yeah, Super sub Nico Hulkenberg jumped in. Oh, Hulkenberg. Um, He's a story by himself one day. He he drove both cars that year. Yeah. <laughs> um, because he drove or Sergio when he had COVID. And then later in the year, he also uh, the Nürburgring, didn't he? When Stroll wasn't actually, I don't think it was COVID, was it? But he was no, he had a tummy bug. Yeah, he was just ill. Yeah. Um, they should have just then... dropped a hole in the bottom of the floor. That would have done it. <laughs> <laughs> Go brown, um, go brown. I'm just thinking they do quite well. They could do like a Mario move. <laughs> oh, God, that would be awful. Imagine that on your visor. Imagine. Oh, dear. Uh, and then uh, as of this year, they are now the Aston Martin Formula One team. But not the same Aston Martin Formula One team from the 50s, Sam. No. So the Aston Martin in the 50s was completely separate for this team. Um, as we've <laughs> alluded to with a lot of those 50s, teams apart from ferrari they're completely different to the teams that we see now um yeah aston martin did about three races in uh the 19 oh i think it was 1959 it was pretty late yeah. in the 50s to be fair but it was a 60 there you go and I was, yeah, 1960 was the problem with the car, Sam? do you remember what the problem with the car was i don't know uh, it was front Somehow. engine it was yeah it was a front engine car it was about three times as heavy as the cooper at the time <laughs> yeah the dbr4 um, it looks spectacular, but it's if that had car. been a nineteen, if you'd seen it in nineteen fifty-three, you'd go, "That's a good car. That looks looks great." The fact that it was kind of ten years later, that's no, just doesn't didn't really work. Um, but uh, but no, pretty pretty cool. Uh, do you know one of the people who drove the DBR four? Uh, Shelby, Carl Shelby drove one. Carl Shelby, how cool's that? 
Carroll Shelby in a Formula One race. I didn't. Yeah. Until I researched this, I didn't know that he'd done Formula One. I knew obviously he was. Fantastic. Another one. I'd recommend his book. Quite good. Oh, there we go. It's, in, it's uh, mentioned in his book, and he mentions all about it. How he kind of disagreed with the way they were going about it because he thought it was wrong at the time. Well, there for we go. precisely the reason why we explained why it didn't do very well because it was too heavy and it wasn't powerful enough. Yeah, powerful it only enough. had an inline six <laughs> engine. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't I very think, good. But that's probably because of um, regulation of engine size. Cause it was only a maximum size at the time, obviously. But um, but you probably find that Aston Martin didn't. 12s. You think about the cars they were building in the late 50s. Hmm. Um, well, big old V12s like they would have now. No. Um, Imagine that, though. That'd so, be great. Yeah. That'd be great, wouldn't it? A V12. Uh, and then, yeah, but, uh, so yeah. They got Lance Stroll and Sebastian Vettel. Vettel got a podium at Azerbaijan and Hungary, but then he got disqualified. Mm -hmm. um, and they're seventh, so great job for the green Mercedes. At the moment. It's not a pretty, pretty terrible fall from Grayson. It's seventh place, uh, down from fourth last year. Mm. But hey ho, who's next? Um, ooh, ooh, who should we do next? The one who's not, not another team that's not at all um, controversial. Um, <laughs> Alfa Romeo, or as yeah. we, we know them, Salvo Romeo. Yes. Uh, so funnily enough, they started in uh, when Sean was a wee nipper I was in ninety. 1993, um, Sauber came to the field and didn't uh, Schumacher drive the Sauber? He drove a Sauber Le Mans car, yeah. No, but didn't he drive the F1 car no. in a testing? I'm sure he did. Maybe, maybe. He may have, tested. I'm sure he drove a Sauber in testing. It's possible, but he definitely never drove them. I, I mean, I think he's drove the 93 Sauber, but he would have been already Why would he in do that? He's already Benetton. yeah. Oh, maybe not. I'm sure he drove it, though. I'm positive he drove it. He definitely drove for Salva at Le Mans, like we said, with that um, Mercedes Salva C9. Yeah, but I'm sure uh, he had a test with Salva's F1 team. Maybe, he, maybe he in the early days. But later um, on, actually, it's 97. That's oh, that's why on earth? I suppose that's because Salva were Ferrari's junior team. He probably did some testing for them then. Yes, oh, yeah. possibly. That's the only reason I can think of. Um, Peter Sauber is a clever chap. I'm sure he Peter did. Peter Sauber's a legend. Yeah, I, I, he sold it to BMW and then bought it back for less than what he sold it for. Yeah, which is hilarious. He did, but yeah. the, let's, <laughs> let's talk. Let's talk about that because Sauber, you know, they they came into Formula One from their sports cars with Mercedes, um, and Mercedes were sort of they they didn't do what as much as they could have done with Sauber um, in Formula 1. They obviously then joined up with McLaren and left Sauber in the lurch. Um, but they carried on until 2000... When did BMW come on? 2006? Yeah. Um, yeah. So Sauber sort of carried on basically as Ferrari's junior for the late 90s into 2005. They had drivers such as... Let's see, drivers that drove to Sauber. There were Fisichella. He was, he was there. He, Fisichella's been everywhere. Um, they had Jack Villeneuve, Felipe Massa, who, uh, Nick, Nick Heidfeld, Heinz oh, Frensen. Uh, yeah, so not bad. Oh, ben Dillinger. Pedro Diniz, I think, raced right for them. Uh, possibly, yeah. Late 90s? Yeah, I think he did, yeah. Um, but Sauber, they, again, they're, they're a team which... Oh, Kimi Reichner, of course, made his debut for Sauber. In 2001. Yeah, um, yeah of course he did. But... 
Felipe and Nasser. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's later. That's much later. Um, but anyway, so Sauber was all of like a mid, they were a solid midfielder rather than anything more. Uh, BMW came along with their five year, three year, five year. I don't know. I think, I think it was a four year plan or something. Um, to basically like take the team, build it up, change for podiums, go for wins, go for championships. Uh, and they got to the first three stages, and then because they didn't win the championship two thousand nine, they pulled out. Yeah, which is quite disappointing, really. Um, but uh, good news for Peter Sauber. Yeah. Now, Peter, <laughs> Peter Sauber, again, he didn't have to do this. He didn't have to step in and buy the team back. In no, but he's a racer, so he did. Yeah. He, he could have easily just walked away, taken his money, and let the team drown. So but he, he went back into it. He bought the team back from the dead um, in 2010. It, w- it would have been dead. There was, BMW left it yeah. so late. I, I remember I never liked BMW for this um, because they really could have absolutely murdered the Sauber team. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, Sa- Sauber Ferrari came back in 2010. Well, initially it was BMW Sauber Ferrari in 2010. That was quite amusing. Uh, yes, again, to get prize money in Formula One, if it's a different team name, you can't carry over the prize money, so you have to keep most of. You can change bits and pieces, but it has to be the same in inverted commas team yeah. to claim that team's prize money. So it was, yeah, BMW, Sauber, Ferrari, which is an interesting combination. <laughs> um, and then they saw, well, Chris, we we've had our thoughts on Manisha Manisha Kelton Bourne um, as a team principal, but. Um... Let's hear the best. She... It didn't go very well after a couple of years, let's just say that. Well, the fact that she was happy to be at the back of the midfield says all you need to say. Oh, Sergio Perez did quite well in, was it 2012? Uh, yes, it was. He nearly won the race in Malaysia and Monza. No, it wasn't Malaysia, it was Korea. No, Malaysia, he... yeah, you're thinking Dicker Hockenberg. Oh, sorry. No, I no, 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 no. whatever. They, they did really well at Korea and, um, as you say, Malaysia. He nearly won at Monza. Well, he didn't, didn't anyway. He came second. He beat both Ferraris at Monza, which is quite embarrassing. Was it the C13? Was it the C13 that we said was one of the better, better looking cars from that year? From those years? From like 2013? Uh, it wouldn't be called that. Would be oh, what, what was it called? Anyway, it was the 2013 Salva was a damn fine looking car. It just didn't do very well. The grey one. The grey one, yeah. That would have been the <laughs> C32? I think. Could be. We'll Could it, be. We'll say it was that because we're confident here at Selfie Automotive. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, then uh, Peter Sauber stepped away. Uh, Longbow Finance, I think, took over the team uh, when Marcus Ericsson was driving, a uh, Swedish investor. They still hold a pretty big stake in the team today. Uh, but now, of course, they are. Uh, they're with, with Alfa Romeo. Um. And I, my, this this podcast two weeks ago would have sounded very different to what it does now <laughs> compared to what they've done. Uh, but uh, hey, is that Sauber, Sauber are the second worst team on the grid and long may it continue. Let's move on. Uh, who's next, Sam? <laughs> oh, um, I thought we were going to talk about Alfa Romeo for slightly long, longer there. You <laughs> well, we can if out. you want. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's not much more to say, really. But I, was... I mean, I think Sauber Romeo's becoming... More like a Toro Rosso because of the investment Ferrari's giving them, or not necessarily Ferrari, but I suppose 
the uh, through Alfa Romeo. Well, I've said that for years though, the, but um... then they're still basically last. And yeah, but I think that's mostly down to the fact the cars haven't changed that much this year, so it's just showing how poor the, the Alfa Romeo was and is. And next year is a massive rules change. So a team like Salba, like sorry, not Salba, like Alfa Romeo, like Williams, so... like Haas. You know, they've all looked at it and gone, it's utterly, utterly pointless doing anything to this year's car because it's just not competitive. We'll put all our resources into next year and bet it on when next did, year. That's what they're doing. Come in? 2000, sorry, when did Alpha come in? 2017? Was it a look? They started yeah, sponsorship yeah. in... Um, no, I think it was 2018. It was uh, sort of branded much more like we would see now, but it was still officially a Salva. Yeah. Um, and then in 2019, they took the team over. That's right, because 17, yeah. they had the sort of golden blue 25th anniversary colours. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Um, it's so, a nice looking car. And that was Giovinazzi's first race. Uh, mm. And yeah, I don't know. I feel, I, The problem with Salva have obviously, uh, sorry, Alpha, have put themselves for a now one year rolling cycle contract. But then Sauber have chosen to put Guan Yu Zhou in the car, who is not a Ferrari affiliate driver. He is a Renault affiliate driver. Um, it's so, not a rolling contract because Bottas is on two years. The Alpha name and branding is on a one year by year. Oh, year. sorry. That was on about the drivers. No. Um, I don't know if Alpha will be in that team as of 2023. I could see if if because they pissed off Ferrari by well they certainly have by bringing Joe in yeah so maybe Haas might be an interesting alternative well it's not Haas anymore is it it's Ural Cal whatever they're called well, it's not going to be I can't see Gene Haas staying at Haas for much longer we'll come on to them at the end but it's uh... yeah. But Sauber, I think, I don't, I don't know about. Sauber will always exist in one form or another. I just don't know how successful they'll ever be. Uh, yes, no, exactly. That's the trouble. They don't really have the funding to be to be one of the top front runners. But they have the they potential. Might get lucky. That's the thing. They have the they potential. Have, they have the people. The people are good, and they have the the facilities are good. Knowledge. They have the knowledge as well. Let's face it. Serial underachiever Sauber, which is a shame. Mm. Un unlike the next team, the second youngest F1 team on the grid, Red yes. Bull Racing. But yes. not their original name, Sam. No. Uh, so Red Bull Racing started life in 1997 as Stewart's Formula One, um, which was, of course, founded uh, by, by Sir Jackie Stewart. Yes, it was. Uh, they, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so they, I say they weren't great, but I think as we found out when we initially tried to, uh, research, uh, this, this team, they actually, they weren't too bad. They no, did let's, better no, no, than... let's say as it was. Well, you, so you, said, but, no. you said they weren't so, great, and then I corrected you. No, Stuart did bloody well. Exactly. Johnny Herbert won a race, for Christ's sake. That's exactly the same reaction I had. <laughs> I think he won it. Johnny Abbott won a race, and Barrichello got a couple of podiums. Three podiums for Barrichello, one race win for Johnny Herbert in 1999. Yeah. I mean, they did, this is the, that's the reason why Stewart sold the team, is because of how well they'd done, and then the disaster that happened after it happened. But, you know, they, 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 for an independent team that basically started with bugger all, 
other than backing from Ford. HSBC. Did it was it HSBC originally, and then it was Ford in '99? Was it, it both? Yeah. Oh, is it both? Well, however, you know that's what it was. Um, terrible reliability in '97. I didn't. I didn't realize it was that bad. <laughs> but they've one, two, three, four, eight finishes between two cars in '97. Seventeen races. That's pretty bad. And there's actually only only one race where both have finished. Yeah, which Monica. is a Monaco. Yeah, the the least resistance um, on the engine. <laughs> um, so clearly, there's well, I don't know what I haven't looked into why they retired, but uh, yeah, perhaps not the best in terms of reliability. It didn't get much better um, in uh, in a '98 either. They had two two drivers sharing the season as well. There, they had uh, some uh, Jan Magnussen. Um, and Joss Verstappen. That really is the dad's um, club that year, isn't it? Ruby's it really is. Yeah, Magnussen and Joss Verstappen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it won't be long before we see Rubens' son pushing forward into junior formulas at mm. higher levels. Uh, so, yeah, keep an eye on that. Um, and then, yeah, like we said, actually, uh, 1999 did go quite well for the team. They were fourth overall um, in in 99. Johnny Herbert winning the European Grand Prix. Um, where was it that year? Was it Nürburgring? Nürburgring. Because they brought it up this year or something like that because it was like 20th anniversary? No. Would have been two years ago they brought it up because it was his 20th anniversary. Uh, of course, yeah. Um, but yeah, pretty cool. I think that's quite cool. Yeah, and then Stuart cleverly sold it to Ford who then well, rebranded it as a Jaguar. So Jaguar uh, came in, Jaguar. In, 90, in 2000. Now... There were so many things that were right about Jaguar when they came in. There's so much. They had Eddie Irvine, you know, just come off of his championship contending season with Ferrari. They had Ford, who have billions in the bank. Um, HSBC is still a big sponsor. Yep, good to well. Do you remember who? Do you remember who the second driver was? Uh, I'm not. I'm going to not cheat. Um, oh God, who would it have been? Justin Wilson. I can tell him. No. I think it was 2000. It was. It was. 2000 was their first season. Sorry, no, I'm think the driver I'm thinking of, I think it's 2000. Uh, I could be wrong. Well, according to Wikipedia... I'm thinking I'm wrong now. Johnny Herbert was there. But they... Oh, was he there the original? Was he there original? Yeah. So I was thinking of Mark Webber. Did Mark Webber replace Johnny Herbert? Mark Webber doesn't come along till 2003. Yeah. Oh, is it that far? Sorry, I thought it was earlier than that. Oh, Apologies. Sorry. <laughs> at, least I got the, at least I got the driver that was in there. <laughs> That's like saying Giancarlo Fisichella was a driver for, for, for Jordan. You know, he's, the fact that he was there three different times is a completely <laughs> irrelevant. In 2001, they got Bobby Rahal on board and Nicky Lauda. Obviously. And then guess who the car was designed by? Um, probably. I don't know. No. no it was it was I'm talking shit. Was it Newry? Didn't you yeah, design the car? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And look how well that went. Um, but uh, yeah, they did get did on the he podium. Get and... He got scalped by McLaren not too long after that, didn't he? It wasn't long after that. Yeah. Uh, you're right. But uh, yeah, they managed to get on the podium in Monaco, their only podium. No, um, they had two podiums. No. Yeah, yeah. no, you're right. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but no, they, yeah, their first podium, as I, as I just said, obviously. <laughs> What year was it that they lost the diamond? 2004? Yeah. No, it uh, was that 2000, because it was definitely with Eddie Irvine. 
Oh, it was no. oh, yeah, it was, yeah. Oh, it was I've just found it on, on the uh, the page for the team. It was okay. I guess you just found the diamond there. I'm sat there going, what? <laughs> yeah, it's in my hand. <laughs> so yeah, who... they were basically, no, they were advertising Oh, did Ocean's Christian Clean catch it? Yes. Oh, no. Yeah. It went missing after a first lap crash. Missing. A <laughs> diamond worth a quarter of a million dollars disappeared because they decided the best place that we can put this is the nose cone of the car <laughs> why nice. would you not just put it like the roll hoop or something exactly I, I suppose you would have to homologate the car with the diamond in it that's the problem homologate the car if you put the diamond in like a like part of the safety structure for example you would probably have to homologate it with the space uh, I suppose yeah I know it sounds utterly ridiculous, so but I suspect that would be the just, case. They just, well, be, you, you, it wouldn't break, would it? You know, being diamond. Why would you not put? It, why would you not put it on like the wing mirror, or even just on the driver's helmet? Yeah, <laughs> like that would just be better. On the windscreen? Could you put it on the windscreen? Like the little tiny windscreen they have at the front. I, anyway, oh, no. we digress. Yeah, just not the front nose of the car, which got wiped out instantly. <laughs> yeah, on on like lap one, um, <laughs> it didn't did not work. That I was mean, very very. Or idea. This was a um, this was a, a trait of Ford and Jaguar at the time. Um, there's plenty of stories of, of the of the Jaguar ownership under Ford, where it was literally just a marketing campaign. The whole Jaguar brand, uh, just millions and millions and millions of dollars were being lost. Um, not just through Jaguar, but Ford. And I think Ford were losing something like a billion dollars a a day or something. No, not a billion. Like a million dollars a day or something. In um, uh, just in in their corporation, that's when they they've you know, sold off Jaguar Land Rover and Aston Martin, um, killed off a couple of their other other brands in America. Um, and it, it, yeah, <laughs> it didn't go well. <laughs> no, I think the I think it was Mark Webber once again another book to recommend. Mark Webber's. Um, he mentioned that when he came in in two thousand and three, the problem they had was Ford didn't take it seriously. They didn't understand F one. No, they didn't understand F1, because they didn't understand F1. They hired Nicky Lauder, and Nicky Lauder went, well, you need to do a lot of stuff, and they just turned around and went, well, and uh, consequently, Jaguar just expensive. went down the terrain. They say, well, they probably did do that. went, that's too expensive, stop that. And then in 2005, Nicky Lauder got in contact with, I assume it was Nicky Lauder, got in contact with his mate who runs Red Bull as an energy Matches. company, uh, Dietrich Matters, and just went, fancy an F1 team, and Red Bull was born. Yeah. Well, you say that uh, it wasn't actually louder because um, was it not? No, because he was made redundant in two thousand and three. He must have had some form of inkling. Sure. Well, he, him, and seventy other members of staff were made redundant. <laughs> That's just classic Ford, though, isn't it? That's so Ford. It's like, well, you're the most expensive. We need to save money, so you're gone. It's Nicky Louder. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think Nicky Louder was that good at running a team at that point in his career. No, but so not really a team, but consulting as a team. I mean, but everything that he could have brought to the table, and they just went, nope, don't need that, got rid of him. He um, drove a car, you know. He did, yeah, he tested Yeah, he the drove car, a car, yeah, because he wanted to know what was wrong with it, so he drove it. Yeah, I think that's pretty cool, because yeah, he, is, he yeah. was probably at least in his sort of, well... 50s or 60s? Been, must have been 60s at the time, yeah. um, and he had a go, and that's, I think, pretty cool. Um, yeah, and, and then 2005... Sell, Eventually, it's, yeah. It's very, it's very, it reminds me of Toyota, the Jaguar story, but obviously much more condensed. You know, you, yeah. you're, you're given like 10 minutes to sort out your F1 team, otherwise you'll all be fired. 
Yeah. Otherwise, but so I also kind of did it the other way, didn't I? Yeah, that's just like we'll keep trying, we'll keep trying, we'll keep trying, and it just didn't work. Uh, we won't change uh, anything, but we'll keep trying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Now, now we can't bother. We'll go back to what we're good at. <laughs> oh look, and we had a really good car. Shit. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then yeah, in, like I said, in two thousand and five, uh, it all changed. It really did. Yeah, they employed David Coulthard as the second driver. Got new sponsorship with Red Bull. Sold the yeah. team. Jobs are good in for the next ten years. Well, it seemed, I... like, seemed, no, they, they offered Adrian. Was it Adrian Newey came in two thousand five? But uh, it took them a couple of years to get a car that was actually decent. I remember two thousand seven eight was when he was definitely more integrated because things kept falling off the car. Yeah, um, like it was. It was what people were. I think it was the Martin Brundle and James Allen McQueen, like a classic Newey car, being very, very delicate, but very, but very quick. <laughs> I think it was the 2007 car he probably would have had most influence on. He They hired him in November, to, by which point you would assume the 2006 car is more or less finished. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah. Uh, so really, his 2007 car is the first proper new You can see Red it Bull. when you look at the, the comparison between 2006 uh, yeah, and 2007 yeah. car. It's got a very thin nose. It's got the, the what I think it would later be called the size zero packaging. Yeah, um, it's that. You yeah, can see everything being shrunk down. Yeah, um, it does look more like a new car. It actually, looks a lot like it, the same sort of thin nose that we see on the car now. Actually, hmm. um, quite kind of a square almost nose, isn't it? Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's. Yeah, that's obviously Dewey has gone on. We said already that Minardi beat them in two thousand and eight, but that's uh, that's irrelevant. Then the rules yeah. changed. Two thousand nine came along, uh, and that's where Red Bull kicked on. Hmm. Yes, and that was very much the Red Bull era, really, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, there's not really much you can say other than the fact they were just a really dominant team for four or five years. Well, it's just that they so had the second best ever F1 car in terms well, of yeah. looks, didn't they? The Red Bull RB5. Yeah, yeah. Uh, equal second, I think, with the Honda RA272. Something like that. Yeah, whichever one you picked. Great. From the 1960s. Can't yeah. remember the name of it, but it's... Beautiful car, nonetheless. Yeah. Either second, the second equal best looking car of F1 history. Uh, yeah. They should have won in 2009, debatably. Just in terms of the car's looks, it was better looking than the Braun. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, then 2010, obviously, we have Vettel winning four years on the trot until the Turbo Hyde era. And they've only really yeah. come back to prominence this year, you could say. Yeah, they've been kind of. They've been working their way back up, haven't they? They're really struggled um with the hybrid era um when we went to v6s it was completely different the car just wasn't good um and it was it was strange wasn't it when it went from being so dominant in 2013 to nowhere in 2014 i mean just look at the um, points you know 2013 596 points 2014 405 points that's a 33 percent drop yeah. Uh, then again, 2015, 187 points. So that's another 50 or more percent drop from that before they start bouncing back. It's uh... yeah. I mean, 2014 they did actually manage to finish second, somehow, but I mean they were very engine. much. Well, sorry. Somehow with a Renault engine. That's what I mean. They managed to. Yeah, it was kind of a best of the rest. Like Mercedes was so far in front that they were almost just in a different class, really. 
Um, but, you know, I don't know. It was just, they're only just now starting <laughs> to really challenge for those. Mercedes scored race 701 points that year. God, that's mad, isn't it? And the fact they had 405 shows you the difference, really, doesn't it? Mercedes that's almost a... scored as much as um, Red Bull and Williams, who came third combined. It's <laughs> awful. Um, but yeah, Red Bull, they're, they're probably going to be here for the long haul now that F1 has got his budget cap and all the franchisey stuff. Um, which takes us on to the newest and final team on the grid, um, Gene Haas and the Haas F1 team. But we don't start with the Haas F1 team. We start with Virgin Racing slash Marussia slash whatever you want to call them, Mana, uh, because their UK slash European base is in Banbury. Yes. Um, so I quite like Marussia for the same sort of reason as I liked... Um and Manor and all the various names for it. The same reason I like Minardi, I think. They were always there. They are always trying. It was really nice when they got a decent result. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's They were never, never really going to win, were they? Let's face it. No, obviously not. They, they didn't have budget. They didn't have the, uh, the facilities. They were very much one of the... They tried to make a budget version of a Formula One team. I think they said the uh, the the rules they were brought in on was like thirty million pounds a year or something ridiculous. That was never going to yeah, happen. Yeah, which is nothing compared in in Formula One. That's absolutely nothing. Um, and uh, yeah, it's kind of not not gone on really particularly well from there. But well, has well they disappeared? Did matter? So yeah, well yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. But then Haas came along in two thousand sixteen, and it was actually quite a good car, the VF sixteen. Yeah, they actually hit the ground running reasonably well, didn't they? Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's, again, even then, it's just—it's kind of just gone downhill from there. Well, Hass is very much—I think it's their color scheme because they have a good year when when it's their base color scheme. Then they try and change it to like the grey in two thousand and seventeen. Then they went back to the proper uh, colors. Um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, then, of course, we had the black and gold. <laughs> they met some mad, crazy promised world and then gave them. Um, and, yeah, didn't go well, really, did it? No. Ninth but, overall. But it's, it's yeah, it's going to be... Hass, we'll see you next year. But it's, it's very much a case of good and bad. They're, there's not too much interesting about them because they haven't really got much history. But, yeah, there's uh, not really much to say, is there? Um, what do we think the future holds for them, though? I think that next year will depend a lot. Like if they can get a good car, if Delara can make them a good car, if Ferrari have good parts to give to them, then yeah, they they might be able to get back to the midfield. But if they can't, if Delara don't make a good car, Ferrari don't have a good engine or a good enough engine, uh, then Haas are going to be in the proverbial problem of they're they're only as good as some of their parts. Well, as I indicated earlier, I don't think Gene Haas is going to be in it any longer. If I'm honest. I, like, I, he just, I don't think he has the heart. Like, back in 2017, was it? 16. When he started? 16. You know, or 16, 17, he was like at F1. I know COVID's a bit different, but he was like at F1 events and he looked really enthusiastic. I think I saw him this year and he just looked like an old man, just I've fed up. I've not seen him in years. No, no I, saw, I think he was at one of the European races. I think it was one of the Italian European races. And he just looked like he couldn't be bothered. 
couldn't be bothered. And I'm sat there going, he doesn't look like a man who wants to run an F or wants to have his name on an F1 team. I think he's looking for an exit, if I'm honest. I, mean, I think the best thing he can try and do is try and get Andretti and Petsky to join forces with him and make an all-American <laughs> race. never team. happen. I can't see it happening, but it would be the best solution. No. Because those three teams, because in NASCAR, has a huge and have well, they're not so much the the next last couple of years, but like they've they've won titles in NASCAR. Like Stuart Haas Racing, as they are, is a big big team. They're even when they're not winning, they are known as being one of the big team. Um, I mean, they but, they yeah. I'm just looking. Actually, what do they gain from F1 realistically? Well, it's, well, they, it's, they, they did at the beginning. They brought, you know, everybody knew what Haas was at the beginning. But now you look at the car and you go, it's got somebody else's name on it. It's worse it, than it that. doesn't even say Haas. It's the thing, it's worse than that because they've had their name dragged through the mud with Rich Energy and now with Nikita Mazepin. Oh, God, yeah. 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 Well, no, no, Nikita Mazepin's the one that's dragged it through the name. I don't think his sponsor has, but then his sponsor doesn't help him. Well, his sponsor is his dad. But... Well, his yeah. sponsor is his dad and he's, it's a Russian sponsor, so. You know, I'm sure they're no, they are definitely 100% legitimate companies. So you know, yeah. it's just Nikita, his son, that doesn't do him any good. No, but that's the thing. The Haas brand as a whole, I mean, it's no worse than say Gaston Mazzucchini at Minardi back in the day. How's that for? A I don't know who that is. If yeah. I'm honest, <laughs> do you know? Speaking of sponsors, I know it's not really a sponsored podcast, but the one I remember is Arrows had an energy drink company sponsor. Oh, this is brilliant. Was it? Was it the, I can't remember what year, was it 96, 97? 97, they had an energy drink sponsor, it was an African energy drink. Um, and they got, they plastered, it was Australian Grand Prix, they plastered the sponsor on the side of the car, and this futuristic, sort of like, late 90s, it almost ma matched up with like the music at the time. Um, and they found out that, I think it was after the Australian Grand Prix, the bloke hadn't paid his bill, yeah. and the company didn't exist. Yeah. And so they had this sponsor on the car that didn't really mean anything, and then the, they could never get in contact with the African again. It was um, yeah. it was one of those Nigerian princes schemes, wasn't it? Yeah. I think somebody, I think somebody did actually get in contact with them about ten years ago, but they didn't. They didn't actually like get an actual answer out of him because I think he just turned around and said, "Oh no, no, it existed. The tip, the sponsor existed definitely." Was it? Oh, and then they, nobody expanded on it. It was ninety nine. Oh, was it ninety nine? Yeah. Uh, what was the name of the company? T-minus. What? T-minus. I thought it quite funny because I think Tom Walkinshaw was still running out arrows at the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, if there's one person you're going to get yourself over with, also if it's one person to get, who's difficult to get over, one over on, Tom Walkinshaw. So he must have done a bloody good job at selling yeah. his brand. Lovely car yeah. though. Yeah, with the, well, reptile, the with, the, with the reptile livery as well. Yeah, it's lovely. Yeah, once you get rid of the stupid sponsor, it's brilliant. Yeah, nice car. <laughs> Sorry, digress. I mean, yeah. that's, that's basically the closing comment, really, is that we don't think Haas are going to be here for the long term. No, I, I can't see him. Um, I, still, I can't see I him mean, being we, on there. We discussed this through the last few years anyway, but it's it's what can they really um, achieve with their bought chassis, their... Um, Ferrari engine, which they don't really have any input in, and they just all get given in a, in a box. They put it together. Sometimes race wins. They can't get race wins. No. Tracing point. Well, they can't do that. But they're not. They're not copying. Well, they can't do anymore, but they could have done. <laughs> yeah, but then they're tracing a Ferrari, which is not, not going to win races. Yeah, no, that's true. 
Um, this is the trouble, isn't it? It's the same problem that like Mana and Marussia and, and on Virgin and all of those kind of teams that That's came same, in in twenty ten. Well, yeah. but Mana and Virgin were the same team, Sam. Come on, we're <laughs> right. doing teams. HRT and Caterham, which was actually Lotus when they joined, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, they were. The same problem that they had, um, which is they just don't have enough. Um, not even facilities, really. That's how how do you sell? How do you sell to sponsors? How do you possibly sell that? That to sponsors? exactly. If you can't, if you're not getting results, you you see it. You see it in all motorsport. The further down the grid, blank the cars get because there's less support for them. I mean, I can tell you where that's not the case, but in the global brand, yeah, you're correct. The further down the teams are, the the less sponsored they are. Are you thinking of GT300, Corey? Uh, no, oh, no you're thinking, thinking of, of Tizan. I'm thinking of Super Ty Q, in which case you could have a Honda Beat that's at the back of the grid and it will be plastered in stickers. <laughs> that's, um, again, it's a different culture with that it's as well. A, it's a different culture. No, no, I, I agree with you, Sam. You are looking at Haas and you are thinking to yourself, what are they going to do? Yeah, why? Yeah, exactly, yeah. At the beginning, it was to get Gene Haas', Haas his name everywhere and it did a good job, but now you're sat there going, no, no, why are they here? Yeah, but if anything, it's more detrimental to Gene Haas now. That's what I'm I saying. Think. That's what I'm mm. saying. Because yeah, 2018, because it... when they came fifth behind Renault, that was great. That, yeah. that was good. But it's such yeah. an anomaly compared to every other year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That is the trouble. That is very yeah, much the trouble. trouble. But, I mean, they've got no points this year at all. No. No. Stone dead last. And it's not even as if there's another team on zero. Like other years, they've got ninth because of a best result, even if they've actually had only a few points. Um, oh, well, you've got to think to yourself though. You look at next year, fresh start, fresh set of regulations, well, clean slate. Well, exactly. That's what since 2018. That's what they've been aiming for. Well, we do. We do joke, don't we, that that car is four years old. Yeah, yeah. we do. Genuinely, that is uh, still Australia spec 2018 car. Um, but well, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. That's. Uh... On that, on that happy note, that's going to bring us to the end um, of the history of the Formula One grid. Oh, I have a question. Yes. Sorry, I have a question. Which path is your favourite path? Excuse oh. Me? So which, which team path? Lineage? Oh, right. Yeah, which Family lineage is your favourite lineage? I was going to say, one minute yeah. tarmac generally is how I like my paths, but... Um, oh, I think probably I red concrete, personally. It's a bit <laughs> stickier. Uh, define favourite. Well, then, the story then. Which story is the best story? Hmm. I suppose for you it would be Minardi, surely. Yeah. Or Salva. If it was two years ago, then it would be Salva. But it's not. So, Minardi. I would go um, Tyrrell. Yeah, so I think Tyrrell Mercedes Benz. Yeah, yeah it was Tyrrell to Mercedes Benz, but I sort of cut it at 2010. <laughs> <laughs> Stop at the same time. <laughs> Stop for 2010. When they started winning multiple championships, you would stop there. So, yeah. so are you sure you're not Honda Cree? You know, just, just cut out the success bit. No. <laughs> no, no, no. no. My, the, my, my opinion, the Tyrrell story. Because the people who were at Honda in 2008 are still at Mercedes now, from That's my understanding. Like, one, once again, going back to Ross Braun's book. The, not the book of his biography, the book that he did with the Williams CEO, but I can't remember the name. The Winning Formula, I think it's called. Yeah. Another one I would recommend. Um, you know, they mentioned that when he Ross left in 2013, there were still people there 
who were from the Honda days. Yeah. So they were getting like all the pain and misery they went through in 2007 and 2008, and then the uncertainty of 2009, winning the championship in 2009. Yeah, but by that, to then... the Lotus story, the, the Renault slash Lotus at Team Enstone story is the best. Well, it depends on how you look at it, but in my opinion, I would go with the Tyrrell to Mercedes story. Yeah. So what was yours? Yours was Minardi. What mine's was yours, Sam? Mine's Minardi just because of Minardi, but in terms of like, yeah. you've, when you think of the outside of the human, outside of your own personal space of the teams, it probably is, maybe, it probably is an, the Endstone team because they have been so close to the wall so many times. Yeah, true. So, true. I think in terms of the one that would make the best film, it's got a good <laughs> team in stone, hasn't it? Oh, I don't know. Up to 2010, it's pretty good. Senna at Tolman, and then all of the Benetton... Versus Renault, Lotus with Grosjean crashing a lot, and then up to like obviously world championships, I mean, quite a few world championships as well. Some really big name drivers. I think probably yeah, the uh, the Alpine lineage is probably the favourite for a movie. <laughs> yeah, for the Ferrari isn't isn't though. Yeah, the Ferrari's pretty pretty boring. Well, I mean, to be fair, that would probably be quite an interesting one as well. Yeah, yeah, but, so but, but in terms of the story, you go, yes, we uh, we paint our cars red. Yeah. <laughs> At yeah. the end. <laughs> we have always painted them red. Apart from they when are John Surtees. Was it John Surtees or Mike Hawthorne? When he wanted a blue one? No, that was... Oh, no, sorry, no. Surtees. We drove a NART because Ferrari weren't happy with the FIA, so they just <laughs> didn't turn up. That's uh, I think that is going to do it now. But uh, so I hope you're happy, Max. Um, here's uh, nearly two hours of. I was going to say it's a bit longer than an hour. Oh yeah, it's it's, it's I mean, even compared to the, me, me and Sam lasted this took an hour and twenty minutes, and we thought that was quite long. So um, we've uh... Chris had an extra forty minutes <laughs> for someone who was worried about not having anything to say. Um, he, yeah, well, it just all comes out, doesn't it? You've done well, Chris. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode of the Stelvio Auto Show. Um, Max, you better like us and share. Um, Follow us on social media at Stelvio Auto, at Sam Green Race Engineering, um, and whatever Cree wants to post, I don't know. Just follow Cree around. I don't use social media. Yeah. It's fine. Just follow him on track because... I'm much happier for it. Yeah. There you go. Sam, any closing remarks? Not really. Good. That's going to do it. Take care and goodbye. Bye. Goodbye.